Hello and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Twice a month, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. I'm Dr. Stacy Sainer. Joining us today, we have Dr. Mike Metz. Mike is the Associate Professor and Chair of the Department of Comprehensive Dentistry at the University of Louisville School of Dentistry. Our appetizer... You are an accomplished clinician. You're a department chair. Why in the world would you go on to pursue a PhD in education? When I joined the faculty at the dental school, I realized those things that I was an accomplished clinician coming right out of the military. But I didn't really know how to teach. And a predominant part of my work was to teach students. I wanted to get into a program where I could better understand teaching techniques and teaching dental students. If you could, just kind of think about the program you did here at UofL in the College of Education and Human Development. Can you think of one or two things that really kind of maybe surprised you that you learned about that you didn't know before? One of the most surprising courses or series of courses was my statistics courses and how you design research. To evaluate any good uh, teaching methodology, you have to understand the research statistics that you use to do that. Be still my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a perfect lead-in to our main course for today, which the reason we brought you here is we want to talk about your most recent article that you've published, and this was the topic of your dissertation as well. So the title of your article is The Effects of Active Engagement and Space Retrieval Practice on Knowledge and Application of Self-Assessment Rubric. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you developed this project? One of the most key things that I think we can teach any dental student or any medical field, students be able to critically evaluate their work, their outcomes. Through those self-corrective measures, they can learn to kind of critically think through future situations and to be able to make fewer errors. We were having trouble at the dental school with the students to have an accurate ability to do self-assessment because our students had a hard time criticizing themselves because we've got a lot of high academic achievers and they have a very difficult time criticizing their own work and they want to give themselves all perfect scores. And that's not really the, that's not really the essence of what we need them to do. So we need them to identify errors in their hand skills and to be able to adapt and to overcome those and to improve future outcomes or future experiences. I decided to really look into this because it was a problem. And also one of our basic reporting requirements for our accreditation is that students have the ability to self-assess. So I I took all this into mind when I developed my research project um, because I think a lot of the root of the problem was that we were using kind of a traditional non-engaging kind of lecture presentation for the students who have grown accustomed to having that kind of lecture given to them and not always catching on to the concepts, especially when you're talking about uh, small millimeter measurements of hand skills, like cavity filling preps and things like that. I really wanted to take this all into consideration, but I really wanted to go to the literature and see where is it showing advantages, what kind of learning styles were showing advantages, and there wasn't really any research on self-assessment, so I wanted to look at active engagement, which I know it's been done a lot in the literature, but it's never really been done in this application. And also, I had a good friend of mine um, on UL's main campus uh, in the brain psychology department who was doing wonderful research with space retrieval, and that's never really been looked at in dental education literature at all. 
I wanted to use these concepts to see if I can improve the student's understanding of the self-assessment criteria that they need to do to grade themselves. So if they better understood the criteria, they would be better able to apply the criteria to grading themselves. When I designed that, uh, I wanted to look at basically what we did before, which was my baseline or my control group, as this is what we do now, traditional kind of non-gauge kind of PowerPoint presentation. And then I wanted to look at a group that was actively engaged with the material. I wanted to look at a group that was using space retrieval practice. So space retrieval practice is when you space out the core content over sessions, and at the end of each session you have them retrieve core content through any various way that you want to do that. You can do a quick quiz. I use iClickers where I presented questions uh, on the material, and what it did was they used their iClickers, and I was able to gauge who was understanding material, and it also kind of let them know this is important material to retrieve. And then I looked at a group where I combined students that have both active engagement and space retrieval practice. I wanted to see if there was a synergistic effect for those two things together. What was the active engagement? What was that like? They just didn't sit and listen. Right. So we actually gave them a form, which is a fake mouth with um, preps in it, which preps that, I, that I've done and had graded by my faculty. And what they did is they actually measured. When I went over a concept, we actually put a measurement tool in their hand, and they were actually to hold on to the dental form. And that's how we engaged them. I think a lot more realistic than what they were getting. So this is a this is a logistically complex study. So you had four different groups, and I have a bit of research design envy for this study. If uh, those of you, and this is a podcast, so you can't see the diagram in the article, but it's a beautiful display of how the, the research was set up. But you had four different research groups. How did you manage that? Since I was the PI on the study, I had one of my calibrated faculty doing the lecture component of it and doing the retrieval stuff. You know, I was there, but I didn't, I wasn't intervening at all. I had to stage phase it. So meaning that the control group was easier. I just phased it over a six week period. I worked on my methodology backwards. So I started from the, the outcome dates, which were my exam dates, and I moved the time frame backwards. And that's when I assigned them to do the various activities within the groups. Aside from being so complex, is if you're a student and you're seeing your peer getting this extra active engagement or they're getting this extra space retrieval practice, how did you make sure that there was not those differences in what the students ultimately had experienced? Mm -hmm. The students all received the preamble before we started the research project. I informed the students at that point of my hypotheses. So my hypotheses were that the students that were in the engaged group and the space retrieval group were going to perform better. What I did and what I promised them is that they would eventually get that same training. The groups that I thought would get an advantage were uh, able to help me get the group that didn't have all the advantages up to speed. And we did that. And that was part of my, my IRB submission. I actually had a whole write-up in that section about what I was going to do with the students who maybe performed the least. Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult things when your randomized control trial is seen as this gold standard, but when you actually get to implementing educational interventions in a health, especially a health professions education setting where it's so dynamic yes. <laughs> of the different experiences that students are going to have. You really have to think through making sure that everyone ultimately is going to have the same content or at least the same access to those interventions. Will you tell us a little bit about the outcomes? I had my four groups and we did our interventions. I gave them a, a multiple choice examination. And what this exam was, it was just to kind of measure their knowledge retention. How were they retaining? Which groups were retaining the information better? And then at six weeks follow a post, there was no more information given. 
no more time together after the four weeks. And at six weeks, I, I measured their ability to apply the information. So they, we gave them a dental form, different dental form, different prep, and I asked them to grade. And then I wanted to see how they could apply the grading criteria and how well they retrieved are able to retain, retrieve, and apply the information. So Mike, you've done a very complex mm. study in a very intricate, detailed mm. area. And it strikes me as you're talking that we're not good at assessing ourselves, mm. not good at holding up the mirror and seeing sort of what we are not doing right. And you've shown that very clearly with mm. your dental students that they were misjudging mm -hmm. how well they were making these preps. That's a core component of self-directed learning, though, the ability to assess where you are mm -hmm. and then to see the gap between where you are and where you need to be and then make a plan for how you're going to fill that gap. So how did self-directed learning come into play, as, maybe as a result of this study that you did? Self-directed learning is the nucleus, I think, of self-corrective or self-evaluation. Keeping it in, in an environment where it's much more student-driven, in an environment where it's low stakes and they can learn, that is really the essence of what I call self-directed learning. And this is especially important because as faculty at the Health Science Center Schools, we are all called on to make sure we train our students and residents and others to be self-directed learners for lifelong sure. learning. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't unique to dentistry. Mm -hmm. it, it's certainly seen through all the schools. Mm -hmm. So this is critically important work. So congratulations well, on, on doing it, getting a PhD that. and getting it published. This is well, great. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. So I was going to ask, are you still kind of keeping up with these learners today by any chance? So these learners have transitioned into um, actual course where they're doing self-assessment. And I'm seeing how they're using the criteria from that course to evaluate themselves. So thinking about your process of doing this randomized controlled trial with your dental students, what advice would you have to other health professions education researchers? When you design a research project, you have to think of how someone's going to criticize your work. Okay, So you have to always, in my mind, when you do educational research, you must have a control group in any study that you do. That's hard to do sometimes. So I think randomizing students in a, in a controlled study is where your goal should always be. Anytime you do a, an educational research, that should be your target goal. Active learning is not just limited to what I used here in my project. It's not just a simulation, which I use. Active learning encompasses many different things. And um, I encourage you to, to, to look at the literature and see what all those are. There's many. I, I could probably name off 10 or 12 right now active learning techniques that people use that have shown to be beneficial, you know, and some of like case-based learning, team-based learning, just engaging the students some way I think is beneficial. I think we should hit some dessert real quick while we're Sounds still good. here. I would love, like, what is your favorite, like, instructional activity? And be it, like, specifically, not just, say, engagement. With what I do, I like simulation with the students. I like putting their hands on it. I like them to get in the middle of it. I like them measuring it. That's what I use because I'm a clinician and I teach hand skills courses. Thanks, Dr. Mike Metz, for joining us today on Faculty Feed. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be, as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Join us next time for more. And come hungry.